Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark 9. Are you ready to receive the word this morning? I'm excited. I want to build your faith today. I want to build your faith today. I got one good. Thank you. Awesome. I want to build your faith today. I want to get your hopes up today. Um, I want you to believe for greater. I want you to believe for more. I want you to believe that you have access to all that God says that you have access to. And I want to talk about this morning. I feel like preaching today. Ephesians 3.20 says that we, he will accomplish infinitely more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Infinitely more. I love the way the Passion Translation says it. It says he will accomplish infinitely more than your greatest request, than your most unbelievable dream. He'll exceed your wildest imaginations and he will outdo all of them. Your, your, your requests, your dreams, your imaginations, he'll outdo all of them, all with his miraculous power in you. In you. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is. And it's believing that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Faith is not wishful thinking. It's not believing harder. Faith is what makes the kingdom a reality. Faith is where miracles happen. It's where the impossible happens. Faith is our title deed to what he said we have access to in the kingdom. We have gained access to his miraculous power by being born again. Faith is believing that God is who he said he is and he's gonna do what he said he was going to do or coming to agreement with that it's already done. It's already done. It's all ours. We are partakers of his divine nature. We have access to the kingdom realm. Faith is not a matter of how hard we believe. Faith occurs when God meets our desperation. Faith is not generated by the mind. It is not think happy thoughts. Faith is birthed in us through the Holy Spirit. Faith is something that we receive from him. It is the assurance of who he is and what he has done. We receive faith. We don't create faith through mental belief or positive confession. We receive faith from him. I want you to know this morning, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith is not something you have. Faith is where you live. It's not a tool, it's your address. We live by faith and in faith. We live by faith and in faith. My address is 533 Faith Drive. That's where I live. That's where I live. And Sarah and I talk all the time about how, man, our kids just don't get sick. They're very, very, very healthy. Why? Because I live in faith. I live in faith. But see, sometimes we live in that place and we believe those things and then there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And storms come to try to rock our faith. And storms have this nasty habit in us human beings to cause amnesia. They cause amnesia and we forget about what God did on the other side of the lake and we get in the boat and the storm comes and we think he's going to let us die. He's going to let this, I cannot believe that he's going to let us happen to me, to my family. I think oftentimes our prayer lives are rooted in anxiety and fear 
and not in rest. Romans 8 says that we're predestined to be transformed into the image of Peter. Oh no, it's Christ. (laughs) Who was asleep in the boat when the storm came? Jesus. Jesus was asleep in the boat. We are predestined to be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. Jesus was never like wringing his hands, worrying about what was going to happen. And he was trying to get his disciples to a place where they weren't either. Right? Faith, faith is what gets us to a place where storms no longer rock us. They no longer cause anxiety. They no longer cause fear because we have the power to stop the storm, to calm the storm, to rebuke the winds and the waves, to turn the hurricane back, to make the tornado not just change directions, but cease. This is the kind of kingdom realm that we have access to today. God did not put you here to just survive this world, but to change this world. Man, I'm preaching to myself. I love it. I want to look at a story today, though, where a man wrestles with this tension that we've all wrestled with in our faith life. What do we do when the storm comes and we've been praying and believing and praying and believing and praying and believing, but we have seen no breakthrough? What do we do when we hit a storm and we bring him to somebody that we believe has a greater measure of faith or has, or, or has more faith than we do. We feel like they have more belief than we do. What happens when we bring them to them and the storm also doesn't cease? What do we do when we believe that he can do it, but we're not seeing it happen? I've been praying and believing and praying and believing and praying and believing. Let's look at Mark chapter nine. I want to look at this tension of where we are supposed to, to live, but eventually move out of Whenever we see prayers seemingly go unanswered. Verse 14, Mark 9. If you haven't found found Mark 9 by now, you probably won't. But it's okay, just listen. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. Context here, this is right after. They're coming down off the mountain of transfiguration. So it's when it says, when they came down, when they returned, it was Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They had just been up on the mountain. Transfiguration happened. Jesus, it says that he, tra- transfiguration, he transformed from the inside out. He beca- his, his clothes came wider than any clothes that were humanly possible. His face shone, he was glowing. It was like he transformed into his actual uh, image. And, uh, and they were obviously blown away and he comes back down, which <laughs> this is funny because I think sometimes we get caught up in worship moments. We get caught up in church. We get caught up. We, we go to our secret place. We go to the place of prayer. We go to a conference. We go to a camp. We get all fired up, man. It's like we're glowing. And then when we come back down, we find out that, Hey, the earth is still kind of messed up, <laughs> right? You get fired up at church, but guess where you got to go tomorrow. You got to go to work with people just people. Yeah. Right. I got to be at staff meeting tomorrow with people. We have the best staff in the world. I love going to staff meeting, but, uh, but you, you find out like, man, I was just in this high. I was caught up in the third heavens. It was amazing. It was awesome. And then, and then Jesus comes back down and what's it says, his disciples are arguing with the religious leaders. And it's like, what do you do? And he comes and he asks him, what's all this arguing? What are we doing? Verse 16, what is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up 
and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't do it. I think it's interesting that Jesus says, what are you arguing about? And the man speaks up, not his disciples, right? So it's like, it's almost like they're embarrassed to talk. It's like, oh no, we've done this before, but we couldn't do it right now. I don't want to say anything because I'm ashamed or I'm embarrassed because I couldn't make it happen again, right? And so <laughs> they're, 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 and they're arguing, with their, who knows? Maybe they're arguing about why the couldn't be cast out. Maybe they're arguing about who Jesus is. I don't, it just says they're arguing. He's like, what is all this arguing about? And the man steps in front of all of them and says, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. I took, you weren't here. I took him to the disciples. But they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, to them, I don't think not to him. It says to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So he, he starts with this rebuke of like you faithless people. How long must I be with you? See, because Jesus' goal was not to leave them in a place where they couldn't cast out demons. His goal was to get them to a place where they always walked in the kind of faith that could cast out demons, where they were walking the faith where they could, in the faith where they could calm the storms without him right next to him. Because he's trying to let them know, like, hey guys, I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. I'm only going to be here for a little while longer. I'm trying to set you up and get you ready to do this without me right next to you. Without me right next to you, you faithless people, how much longer? But bring the boy to me, right? I love it. Not, he doesn't just rebuke him and then say, forget you guys. I've had it. I'm out of here. He says, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. And when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. What do you mean if I can? He's saying, of course I can. Of course I can, but my goal is not for the, me to do it, but for you to do it. Not for me to do it, but for you to do it. Jesus told us that we, the church, is the light of the world. He said that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And many people want to step in this place of like, oh no, like we're not like a little God. Yes, but you are full of the Holy Spirit. You have been born again to bring his spirit, his change into the world. I'll give you an easy example. The moon produces no light of its own but it reflects light. It reflects light. And what does the moon control? The tide. It controls the ocean. So are we reflecting the light of the sun as we become a vessel of his Holy Spirit. And guess what we control? The tides of the culture. Come on. Okay. In him was life and his life was the light of mankind. I'm not producing any light on my own. He has filled me with his spirit and now I'm reflecting him and I become a partaker and a carrier of his divine nature into the world. 
And so the world and the culture has to change because I'm here. Because I believe that I am a son of God. The earth is groaning and travailing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of Yahweh. It's groaning, it's waiting for those who realize that they're actually children of God to step in. And, and, and if I can do it, of course Jesus is no like, yeah, if I can, of course I can. But then he says anything is possible if you, if you believe. Not if, he doesn't say if I believe, he says if you believe. Anything is possible if I believe in this next, this heart cry right here in verse 24 is oftentimes where we are at and it's, and it's what I want to talk about. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And everybody in this room has probably been in a place where they have felt that before. God, I believe that you can. I believe that you're powerful enough. I believe that you're ruler. I believe that you're healer. I believe that you're provider. But there's something in me that's unconvinced, and I want you to help me overcome that being unconvinced. I want you to drive out that unbelief in my heart. So where do you go when you've been praying and it hasn't happened and it's been, he's been this way for a long time. The situation has been this way and you, you've been to the conferences and you've, you've seen the faith healers and you've been to the churches but you're still in the same place. What do you do when you're a disciple? And you have already, you go back a few chapters before in Mark 6, you go, back, you go to uh, Matthew 10 before the transfiguration, Jesus had already sent the disciples, 72 of them out two by two to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. So they had already been doing this without him right next to him. And now this demon comes in and it's like, what do you do? I've done this before, but all of a sudden the formula is not working like it used to work. It's because it was never meant to be about a formula. It was never meant to be about a formula. It's meant to be about relationship with him. It's meant to be about receiving faith from him why couldn't they do it why couldn't they do it it was because of their unbelief they were failing to see what was possible based on their thinking as a man thinketh in his heart so is he because jesus told him faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains but you need to know that unbelief can trumpet unbelief can trumpet of course Jesus could, but his goal was to get the believers and this man into believing that they could as well. But you can hear the anguish in the Father's voice. I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I want you to know this morning, this is the heart posture that we take. This is the heart posture that we take if we're not seeing the breakthrough, if we're not seeing the miracle, we don't just give up on him and say, well, I guess he doesn't heal anymore. Right? We, don't, we don't come up with theology. We don't come up with doctrine that's not in scripture. And say, well, I guess he used to work that way, but he doesn't work that way anymore. Hmm. Or I guess he's all sovereign and he'll heal people when he wants to. He always wants to heal. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 1, Hebrews 1 says that he's the exact expressed image of the Father. Jesus never made anybody sick. He healed the sick. Jesus didn't cause storms. He calmed the storms. That's his will. In Jesus, we see, the, we see the perfect will of the Father. And everywhere Jesus went on the earth, he brought heaven to earth. 
He told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He would not teach us to pray that if he did not intend to answer it. Teaching us to pray it without intending it to answer is cruel. And God is not cruel. He has intention to answer that prayer. But oftentimes we are full of unbelief. So what do we do with the unbelief? And unbelief is, I, I, it, it's not talking about that, okay, some people are believers and some people are unbelievers. It, it is, is there's unbelief. You could use the word unconvinced. Unconvinced, not completely convinced. I think James 1 gives us a great principle on the way that we ask God for things. He's talking about wisdom, but he says, if you ask for wisdom, you better be sure and you better ask in faith because if you're not sure, if you're not completely convinced, you're a double-minded man and unstable in all of your ways. And so sometimes I think, he even compares it to being tossed to and fro by the waves. See, oftentimes we get controlled by the tides of culture when we're supposed to control the tides of culture. Right? We listen to Fox News or we listen to CNN or we listen to Facebook or we listen to Instagram to be our prophetic voice. And no wonder we're getting, in this place, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. Not at my house. Not at 533 drive, uh, Faith Drive Lane or whatever you want to call it. Not at my house. <sighs> Come on. We have to work, though, at getting completely convinced, not being double-minded, and double-minded doesn't necessarily mean 50-50. It can be 25-75. It can be 199. We have to work on being completely convinced or rather receive faith from him to be completely convinced. I believe, but help my unbelief. We have to maintain this heart posture where I don't see it, but I believe that it can happen. And the man came to the only place that truly drives out unbelief, and that's the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus is what drives out unbelief. Unbelief is dangerous. Unbelief is dangerous. Hebrews 4 teaches that, that un, Hebrews 3 and 4 teaches that the Israelites were unable to inherit the promises of God because of their unbelief. They believed in him, but their unbelief caused them not to be able to inherit the promises that were available. I'll say it this way. You can be a Christian and not live in the kingdom. You can go to heaven when you die, but not live on the kingdom in the earth. Because Hebrews 4 teaches that it's faith that activates the promise. David Hilton was here a few weeks ago and he taught us the Bible does not say his promises are yes and amen. It says his promises are yes and our amen. Our agreement with them. See, this is, this is offensive because what it does is it puts responsibility on you. Because the cheap way out is to blame him. The lazy way out is to blame him. The apathetic way out is to, okay, blame him, right? Or we create theology that we don't actually see in scripture of, well, he's all sovereign and he's got it all figured out. God is sovereign, but he's looking for people who would come into alignment with his sovereign intention for the earth. A lot of big words there. <laughs> Unbelief can have devastating consequences. We cannot be like the Israelites. Do you know over 140 times before they got to the promised land? He said, this is the land I have already given you. Then they show up and I don't know why, but they send 12 spies into the land. It's already mine, but I'm going to test him. And they go in, right? And 10 said, no, two said, go. <laughs> Sunday school. Sorry. I grew up in the nineties. If you got saved in the 90s, it's a miracle. God is real, right? It was, it was just, 
It was so corny and cheesy in the 90s. It was bad. You think it's bad now? It was awful. It was real bad. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, if God can talk through a donkey, I guess he can use anything or anybody, right? Um, <laughs> what was I talking? Oh, the 10 said no. They said, we saw the sons of Anak there, and we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and theirs. Oftentimes, we see ourselves that way. We see the giant of whatever we're facing, and we don't see ourselves like that shepherd boy saw himself, like Joshua saw himself, that I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. I do not want to stand before God one day and see all that I missed out on because of my unbelief. I want to drag my unbelief into the presence of Jesus. I refuse to settle for, well, they'll receive their complete healing in heaven. I don't want to settle for that. I don't ever see Jesus praying for people that way. And I'm thankful that we do receive complete healing in heaven. I am thankful for that. Every believer that has passed on and has entered into his presence, that they are completely whole. I'm thankful that one day that we will get new bodies that will always be completely whole, but I also don't want to settle for something less than Jesus said was available, which is healing now, which is healing now. I won't settle for it. Never see Jesus say, well, we'll pray for you. We'll be praying for them, but on this side or the other, they'll be healed. And I know that people have good intentions when they say that, but it's not anything that Jesus taught us to pray. His intention is to answer real, true, genuine prayers. One thing I think sometimes is that we, well, you see it at the end of uh, Matthew 17. Matthew 17, verse 21 is actually taken out of my Bible. It's not in here. Not because I took it out. It's omitted out of a lot of reliable transcripts. A lot of reliable manuscripts don't have Matthew 17, 21. They don't have Mark 9, 29. They take them out many times because they pull him aside and they say, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So why did some manuscripts leave that out? Because they believe that it was inserted later and that he possibly didn't say that. He may have said that, but here's where that can be dangerous because it gets us caught up in a works consciousness. If you'll just pray and fast more, you'll see it happen. I'm not against praying and fasting. Praying and fasting, like absolutely we're supposed to pray and fast, but we don't pray and fast from a state of works, but of rest. I pray and fast because I know I'm accepted by him, not to be accepted by him. Religion, the spirit of religion will make you think that you have to work your way into belief, that I'll just pray and fast more. And listen, if you pray and fast, you will believe more. Absolutely. Absolutely. You get face-to-face -face with him, but I just want you to be sure that you're not doing it as a way to earn anything from him because you've already earned it. Or you didn't earn it. Jesus earned it. You've received the righteousness of God in Christ. You have received the righteousness of God in Christ. He did it. So when you, so, and you get to the end of Hebrews 4 and it says, so we can boldly come in. Jesus isn't moved by what we say, but often how we say it. He's, well, not, and I don't mean tone. I mean where you stand when you say it. Are you standing from a place of this is already accomplished? Or are you standing in a place from, man, I really hope you work this out, Lord. Because one is full of faith and one is full of anxiety. And we're never called to pray from a place of anxiety and fear, but from a place of faith. 
praying and fasting will build your faith, but it's supposed to be from a place of rest, not work. Praying and fasting, fasting work from a place of rest because they get you into the presence of Jesus, face to face with him. I said it a few weeks ago, faith is not a matter of believing harder, but about getting closer. I'm not gonna white knuckle my way into the presence of Jesus. You have the presence of Jesus. You can boldly come in and stand face to face. It's not what moves him. It's not what you say that moves him, but how you stand when you say it. It's our agreement with him. Unbelief is not the absence of belief. Unbelief, hear me, it's not the absence of belief. It's not against believing or counter-believing or believing the opposite of. Unbelief, when he says, help me overcome my unbelief, what he's saying is I want to be in belief. And I know that I don't have the measure of belief that I was designed for. So help me overcome that. And he goes to the only person who can help you overcome that. I'm gonna receive a measure of faith from him. So it's not that he's believing in counter of, it's not that he's believing against Jesus, it's that his desire is help me overcome this. I want to be in the measure of faith that you have designed for me, Lord. And that's good. A few things here, if you're taking notes. What then is going to drive out unbelief? Or a better way to say it, what is going to cause your faith to grow or to build your faith? Because I told you I wanted to build your faith today. I wanted to get your hopes up today. And here's a few things that you can, absolutely, you can do practically that will help you build your faith. Number one, Romans 10, 17 teaches us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Continual, constant hearing the word of God. Not having heard one time, but hearing. And, it, and the word he uses is rhema the spoken word of God. Well, God never speaks to me. He spoke to you right here. But many times people read this from the wrong posture. This is not to be read to fill my heart full of head knowledge. This is meant to be read, fill it with faith. And so as I enter in my place to read this word, my prayer before I open this is not a dry, dead, religious God reveal this to me. It's Holy Spirit, speak. Your servant is listening. I wanna hear what you have to say to me through this word. And if you have that heart posture when you read the Bible, well, buddy, he'll speak to you. He will speak to you. These verses will punch you in the gut. He will speak to you. And so I'm listening to what he's telling me. I, I, I listen to our podcast. I listen to what, what our preachers are saying. I listen to men and women who are full of faith to what they're saying that God told them. And as I hear that word, it is building my faith up. Faith comes by listening to him. The second thing that's gonna build your faith is you've gotta constantly Come into this place of knowing, which it, it happens by listening. But number two, it's knowing whose you are and who you are. Your faith is going to be built if you know whose you are and who you are. And that sounds simple. And that's, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, we got that. Yep, we're sons and daughters. Yep, we're the bride. Yep, we're beloved. Yep, we're all the, yep, 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 we got that. Do you? Because that's a never-ending journey. That's a never-ending cycle of pursuit of, of, I love him and he loves me and I'm caught up in this relationship with him and in communion and he's constantly telling me who I am and showing me who I am. That's, that's something that's never supposed to stop happening. He's gonna be constantly speaking that to you for the rest of your days, for all eternity. But you have to know, when you come into a knowing of whose you are and who you are, it drives out unbelief. Luke 10 
17 and 20 says, when the, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. That's the whole reason you have the authority to walk on the snakes and the scorpions. It's the whole reason you have the authority to heal the sick. That's the whole reason you have, is because your names are registered in heaven. We don't rejoice in our authority. We rejoice in where and in who our authority comes from. Come on. We rejoice in and where our authority comes from. I just, I, I, I love the classic example of, of when I go to the hardware store, I can do it because I have a relationship with Tim Brooks and I can charge anything I want to in that store because I have a relationship. You can't, but I can because I have a relationship with Tim Brooks. There's this, there's this funny story in uh, Acts 19 about the sons of Sceva. It says they were going, as a, a group of Jews and they were going from town to town, they were casting out demons until they come across this one demon and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, get out. And the demon looks at him and goes, I know Jesus and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? I know Jesus and I've heard of, but who are you? I think that's, I think that's hilarious that it's like, they've heard of Paul. It's like, yeah, Paul's causing a ruckus in the spiritual world right now. Like we've, we've heard of him. We've heard of that guy. And I definitely know the son of God. Definitely know the son. And I know what he's going to do to us one day. I definitely know him but I've never heard of you. Who are you? And I think what their prayer there is in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, they had no connection to in the name of Jesus. It was just based on what guy, they heard a guy at a pulpit say. That guy talks about him. And so you may have relationship with him. You may believe, or uh, I would say, you may believe in the name of Jesus, but you may not walk in the authority of the name of Jesus because you don't have that connection with him like you're supposed to. And what gives you access is that communion with him, that relationship that you have with him. And I think the, the, the great, this is the greatest thing, the reason why, is because when you go to pray for someone, when you go to pray for healing or you go to pray for breakthrough, what, what robs you of your confidence is, I don't know him like I should know him. I don't know him like Josh knows him. I don't know him like Pastor Tim knows him. And so we get robbed of our confidence and unbelief begins to filter in. We believe that God can do it, but sometimes we're standing in a place of unbelief because we don't have that relationship with him like we should. You've got to settle the issue of your identity. You have to know that you belong to God. Your name is written in heaven. Number three, ask for more faith. Ask for more faith. He wants to give us more faith. He wants to build our faith. It's something that we receive from him, not something that we create. This isn't the power of positive thinking. This is something that, and listen, positive thinking is great. I think we all could use a little more positive thinking. But understanding that we can be full of the supernatural power of God, that takes faith. To walk in signs and wonders and miracles that are unexplainable, that takes faith. That takes agreement with him. See, oftentimes Christians know what the Bible says, they trust God to take care of them, direct their lives, but sometimes we are faced with something that seems to overpower our faith. 
We don't seem to have enough faith to follow him in that moment. So what we have to do is we have to ask for more faith. Number four, you've got to have an experience or continue having experience with the one who gives faith. It's not more understanding about faith. Understanding conceptually is great, but you've got to encounter the one who is faithful in order to receive a greater measure of faith. I, I, I think about it this way. I hear people talk about marriage that aren't married. And that's great that you can talk about marriage, but you've never been married. It's just a concept. It's something that you may know about here, but you don't know about here because you don't know about it until you walk through it, right? Somebody could teach me a whole lot about welding, but until I actually do it, it's just going to be head knowledge. I remember when I first started, because I speak for a living, which is shocking because I just stumble over my words all the time. Shocking. I feel like Paul where he says, I'm not a good speaker. He tells the people that I'm not a good speaker. Uh, but I, I, so I, I speak for a living. I teach Bible class. I teach in here. I teach youth group. I talk, I just talk all the time is what I do. So when I get off the stage and you and I have a short conversation, it's because I used all my words up here. So my word quota got full up here. Um, but when I, whenever I first started talking and I remember David and Paul and Tim would like, okay, you need to do this. 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 You do this. Okay. Like, oh yeah. Like, all right, well, cool. I'm going to study. Well, well, when you get up here and you actually do it, you forget all of those things. They just leave your brain like that, right? And anybody who's ever been in a profession, like you understand that. You got lots of head knowledge in high school or college or on the job, but when you actually start doing it yourself, it's different. With faith, you can understand conceptually. But the, the goal isn't to just understand conceptually. You've got to have an experience with the one who gives faith. I'm going to start winding down here, but, but Luke 12... Maybe winding down, maybe winding up. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, Luke 12, 32 says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Matthew 10, verses seven and eight says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. We have got to commit to maintaining the, par the heart posture of I believe, but help my unbelief until all the unbelief is driven from you. I don't want to pass on to the, I don't want to pass on unbelief to the next generation. I want to teach them what the Bible says is possible. I don't want to lower my standards to what I've personally experienced. I want to raise my standards to what scripture says is possible. You can say you believe it, but just because you say it doesn't mean that you actually do. When we don't see it, we don't blame the person that we prayed for. We don't blame him and I don't beat myself up for the next three weeks. I just go, okay, believing that this is going to happen. I didn't see it happen. I'm going to go into the secret place and I'm going to ask God to drive out that unbelief so that when I come in next time, I'm going to see it happen. And I just, just always have that posture and I'm trying to get the ifs out of my mind. What if they don't get healed and, and, or not get, maybe not get the what ifs out of my mind, but change it to what if they do? What if they do? What if they do? Jesus is the author, the initiator, the finisher, and the perfecter of our faith. I don't want to settle for an expression of Christianity that doesn't reflect what we read in this book. I think Bill Johnson says this. He says, I may stink at what God has called me to do, but I don't have the luxury of changing the assignment. 
right? Like Peter tried to, I'm going to go back to fishing. He wasn't going fishing for a hobby. He was going back to what made him money, but that's not what God had called him to do. And so Jesus came after him. Just because I stink at it doesn't mean I have the luxury of changing the assignment. I'm going to have a, my guy Lucas, if he's ready. I hear footsteps. I'm going to have him play some stuff for us, but I, but I, I want to just talk about a couple, some hard things here. So, so why doesn't God heal everyone? He's given us the authority to. He hasn't made it difficult. We make it difficult oftentimes. His will is to heal. God is looking for those, though, that he can trust. Like, how dangerous would it be for you if God answered every single prayer that you prayed? How dangerous would it be for you? If every prayer you prayed, someone was healed, it might destroy you. God never withholds from us because he doesn't, that's not his will to do, but he withholds from us anything that's going to hinder our maturity. If he gave us a miracle every time, we would never grow up. We would never grow up. And when he doesn't give it to us in the tension, we've just got to ask the question, what do I not know yet, Lord? Drive out this unbelief in my life. And there are times that I can look back now and I can thank him for not giving it to me. I can thank him because if he had given it to me, I wouldn't trust him like I do now. And I will say this too, the older you get in faith, the less you should need a miracle. I want everybody in this room to know that miracles do not cause belief. They follow belief. You can see it in the gospels. Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath day, fixed his hand in front of the Pharisees. The same Pharisees that saw that miracle asked him a few verses later, show me a sign. And he said, it's a wicked and perverse generation that demands a sign. We don't demand anything from him. He's not our servant. We're his servants. And Mark 16, it says, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe or they will follow those who believe. So as a believer, I am walking on my mission to do what he's called me to do. And I'm not trying to cause a sign to happen or cause a miracle to happen. I'm coming into a place where I believe that he is going to make it happen because I believe his promises and I'm going to make it my amen and my faith is gonna activate the promises that he has. Come on. God is not moved by anxiety, he's moved by faith. We are not called to change things or we are called to change things, not survive things. 2 Peter 1.3 says, Sons, we are sons that have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Romans 8.32, How will he who did not spare his own son not freely give us all things? He says, You can ask whatever in my name and it shall be done. Where two or three are gathered, if they ask, it will be done. How come we're not seeing it? It's not on him, it's on our unbelief. So our heart cry today is, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. You think that you're tired of sitting there right now at 11.57? My wife is in tears because she is in so much pain sitting where she's sitting right now. 
The hour and a half that she likes the least is Sunday mornings right now because she sits in so much back pain right now she can barely stand it. And she's been that way for months and none of y'all would know. You know how many times I've laid hands on her and prayed for the healing to come and the healing to come and the healing to come? How many times I watch her roll out of bed in the morning trying not to cry because she's in so much pain, hobble to the sink to get ready for another day? She's only 32 or 31. I'm trying to catch her up to my age. I believe that God can heal her. And I believe that she will be healed. But I'm asking the Lord this morning to help my, uncon- help my unbelief, God. Help my unbelief, but I know this, that, that even if I don't see it today, I know that he's still good and his will is still to heal. I, I, you gotta get to a place in your faith where it doesn't rock you anymore, where the storms, the big storms don't rock you anymore. The big storms don't phase you. How many of you have complained about the heat this last month? My goodness, it has been hot. What if we moved to a place in faith where we no longer complained about it, but we begin to tell the weather what to do? I don't know about that. Well, you pray against hurricanes. Why not pray against that hot sun? When it's been real dry, we pray for rain. Why can't we pray for the sun to just chill out a little bit? Because it's killing all my grass. It's killing me. There is a problem of evil and suffering in the world, but guess what, church? We're the answer. We're the answer. We're the answer. Well, we're not God. I know that. But, it, but Scripture says, 1 John 4 says, just as Jesus is now, so am I in this world. He's not on the cross right now. He's seated in heavenly places. Ephesians says that I'm seated with him. Man, if we begin to walk around in that type of confidence, maybe we might walk into a hospital room and go, oh man, cancer cells might say, oh, I... I know Jesus, but uh, this guy's starting to look a whole lot like him. I don't know about that. I don't know. When I was in youth group, there was a girl that was 18 years old. She didn't have hair on her body because of chemo treatments. We laid hands on her. They told her she would never be a mom. She would never live past 30. She's almost 40 now. She's got three kids. You can call it what you want to. You can chalk it up to science or medicine or whatever, but we, but we laid hands on her and she stopped having to do chemo the next week and her cancer went into remission. Here's the deal. One thing that Sarah and I have been doing is we're not, we're not, she's not complaining about the back pain. She's declaring that she's healed. She's declaring that she's healed. She's coming into a place where she already sees herself as healed, where she sees herself playing with the kids with no pain. So I know, I know many people and I know myself like, leading youth group, I know we've got some that, that don't like us, that hate us, that have denied God, that have moved out, moved whatever, and we've got some that are prodigal, some that are really, really twisted. Here's what I want you to do. Stop complaining about it. Stop praying from a place of anxiety. Last week, I was sitting right there and during worship, and I just got a vision of all of our prodigals had come home, and they were all down here worshiping and lifting their hands. Help my unbelief, God. I know I'm going to see it happen. I know I'm gonna see it happen. I know I'm gonna see it in my family members. And I'm gonna to need to declare it. I'm gonna to to speak it over them like it's, already, like it's already happening. I'm gonna speak as though it were. Amen? Stand with me.
We're going to do a little throwback here. It's not super throwback, but it's a couple years. When it was out, we wore it out like a, like a borrowed mule. We sang it every Sunday, but it's so powerful. It's so powerful. We did. We sang it. It was his fault. I'm just kidding. We're going to sing this song, though, and while we sing this song, bodies are going to be healed. Backs are going to come into alignment. Ankles and knee pain is going to leave. I believe that somebody's going to be healed of diabetes today. Somebody that ate their way into diabetes because God doesn't hold that against you. I believe that we're going to supernaturally see consequences that we have caused in our own bodies through our own sin is going to be healed in this room today. I believe that somebody's going to get a phone call when they leave this room and it's going to be a prodigal that is going to be repenting and going to talk about coming home. I believe that marriages that are on the verge of divorce are going to be healed today. I believe that those who you're in a financial crisis that resources are going to begin to flow in. If you'll just see it by faith that God will not let his children go hungry, that resources are going to begin to flow in. My truck's broken down right now. The other day, I'm not saying this, woe is me. Didn't have a ride. I walked home three and a half miles. I'm not saying woe is me. I wanted to. And as I began to walk past land that had nothing on it, I began to claim it. And I begin to see some of your faces. That family's gonna have a house there. That family's gonna have a house there. When I drive up and down Highway 7 and I see buildings that are abandoned or homes that are broken down, I begin to see them in the spirit. God, you redeem this land. I have authority over this land. You've given us dominion of this land. I'm gonna receive it. And son, you calm down. It's too hot. We're gonna bring it down some. We're gonna turn the thermostat down just a little bit. I know I'm not God. He's the way maker. He's the promise keeper. He's the miracle worker. And we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship him today. And these miracles are gonna begin to break out as a repentance, a changing the way that we think happens and unbelief gets driven out. Amen? Let's sing this. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.